Episode 4, Rookie Mistakes. It is July 12th, and this is, I think, attempt number 8 of trying to record this episode. I finally got it perfect yesterday, and I noticed there is some buzzing in the background, so couldn't use that one. I was trying to record it again just now, kept hearing that noise, and I realized it was because of the windows were open, so... Had to close those and hopefully I don't die in the next hour or so because it's so hot already with them closed. I've been in Seoul for two and a half weeks now. Kind of a couple of thoughts about it so far. I really like it. It is humid beyond no measure, but that's, I'd say, the only negative really. I don't understand how people can walk around in pants and long sleeves shirts on these days i personally prefer wearing pants all the time and yesterday i decided oh i'm gonna wear pants it's probably not gonna be that hot and oh that was a bad bad decision because it was so so hot outside i was sweating so much but yeah i'm walking around and i'm seeing all these people in pants and some of them even in long sleeve shirts and i'm just thinking to myself how do these people do that because here i am just sweating up a storm my face is drenched and then you look at these people and they have no sweat anywhere in sight this is how it's been too everywhere i've gone so far even when it's been hot people just wear pants and i don't understand how they're able to do it it's it's so <laughs> it's so crazy to me i don't i don't remember if that's how it was in los angeles too i never really paid attention to that but i'd imagine it wasn't really like that People are crazy here, maybe, I don't know, maybe they have some special gene or something that allows them to just not get hot so they could wear whatever they want. I wish I had that gene. But so right now, I am in this part of Seoul called Huangjiang, I think is how you pronounce it. I don't know if that's right. Excuse the pronunciation. Little funny thing about this area, which I didn't know because I booked a different Airbnb. I'm basically jumping from Airbnb to Airbnb every eight days or so. So this is the second Airbnb I've been at. And this is in a very, very, how should I put this, Korean part of Seoul. It's not a touristy place by any means. Literally everywhere you look, everything's just in Korean. Don't get me wrong, it's a pretty, it's a really cool city because at night there's all these signs on buildings like everywhere on all the different floors of the buildings and when it's lit up and everything it looks absolutely amazing it's a pretty cool thing to see but really been struggling with trying to eat and eating is my favorite thing to do that's what i really look forward to while traveling so it's been tough because everything in the city is either one just all in korean with no pictures of the food so i'm not really willing to go into a place not knowing what is available to me to eat or two it's just too expensive it seems to be the theme a lot and at a lot of places here in seoul is how expensive it is it's really surprising i think it's probably just because a lot of places like our korean barbecue right which people seem to love in los angeles but i still haven't had it yeah just too expensive and i'd imagine it's because the meat's probably really high quality and things like that but i just don't have the money to eat places like that so i have still not experienced korean barbecue i have eaten in this part of the city i've had a nice reintroduction with fast food we'll say i've had burger king and kfc and what was the other one? Oh, pizza hut and these these three places i haven't had in probably at least 10 years so that's been interesting eating them again because there's nothing else for me to really eat here unless i go back into the main parts of the city which i have done probably half the time but kind of kind of sucks honestly it's been interesting observing my thoughts 
while being here too because it is such a just normal part of Korea to where it's not touristy at all. I can't really interact or communicate with anyone because absolutely no one speaks English and it's just interesting because I feel like an outsider and it's not like anyone's done anything to make me feel that way. Like everyone's really, really, everyone's really, really nice here. I have nothing bad to say at all. Korean people are really, really cool. They're very, very polite. They're reserved. They kind of mind their own business and that's kind of how I am too. So I always knew that I would like Asia because, or at least Korea and Japan because I knew the cultures would be like this and that's more of my speed so yeah but feeling like an outsider it's just interesting when you can't have any interaction with people how you can fall into negative thought patterns and just be kind of down that's also something I've noticed just traveling in general and it's always fun when you meet someone that's from the U.S. or even Canada because we have such similar cultures and obviously we can speak the same language at a high level to where we can understand each other really easily that you just fall into just this you just click right away with someone back home or from Canada because you all have you know the same interests usually and you watch the same things on tv and you have the same type of humor usually so it's just it's always fun when you meet someone like that so i'm i'm here another day then and then i'm going somewhere else in seoul so it's any better there fan on my computer is starting to go off that's not good and it's gonna it's gonna be in the background no what else went to i've been watching a lot of video games here that was part of the reason why i wanted to come to seoul because the video game culture here is pretty big so i've been watching a lot of league of legends i'm going again tomorrow so i'm really excited for that that's been fun i think that's it as far as things about seoul so far i'll probably do another podcast where i actually get deeper and deeper into it and give more context with everything today on the episode as i said this is like the freaking millionth attempt of trying to do this i'm want to talk about the path to success because I've been watching a lot of videos and a lot of different events have kind of come up in the past week or so that I thought all tied into this topic. So I am going to be talking about that on the other side. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you soon. So I have a question for everyone. If I told you you could have a million Instagram followers in a week, let's say you could go viral, what would your answer be? And I really want you to stop and think about that for a minute or so, because I think initially when you hear that, it sounds amazing. But when you really think about the things that come along with that, it becomes a little bit less of an appealing proposition. When I answer that question for myself, I think when I first started traveling and I decided to pursue this career goal of mine back in February, I would have said yes to that right away because obviously that's the goal to get an audience that big eventually, right? That's always the goal for I think for anyone is to just get as big as you can. But now that I've traveled for the last five months and now I have experience with just trying to build an audience in on Instagram, I would say no to that answer because the thing about social media in general is that it is very difficult to deal with the pressure that comes along with having a large audience because you constantly have to come out with new and exciting content for your audience and then you're kind of almost 
held hostage by them because they're always expecting you to come out with new things and they don't really take into consideration the fact that you might need a break or it's becoming too much for you. So I think that's kind of the bad side of social media. I think a great video that I watched the other day that kind of talks about this because it is becoming more and more of a thing where a lot of these really popular YouTubers are getting burnt out and kind of taking breaks from YouTube. If you type in YouTubers burnt out and just kidding news on YouTube, you can watch this video and it it gives a lot of really good insight into kind of the difficult things with being a YouTuber. And that's something I've noticed in myself already, just trying to build an audience and not really having that big of a following. But the pressure I put on myself just to, you know, whether it's post every single day or always stressing over, is this picture good enough? Or what picture should I post? It's like I have hundreds of the same picture, basically, like they're a little different and stressing over the which one should I post? Oh, is this one better? Blah, blah, blah. All these different things go into consideration. And it's not very fun, to be honest, because you're constantly putting this pressure on yourself. So I imagine when you have a huge audience, like a lot of these more popular people, I'd imagine that's just amplified those worries and thoughts that you have. Another thing that can kind of make it a lot harder is if you become popular for something that, I mean, you like doing it, but you'd rather be doing something else, then you kind of get once again held hostage to where you have to put out this content based around what appeals to your audience instead of what you actually want to be putting out. And then so sometimes it's really hard to pivot and transition into doing something else that you might want to be doing because the whole idea of just life in general is to grow and try new things and that still holds true with being a content creator that though isn't always the easiest thing because your audience is not down with that so then there's, there's that I think also looking at the problems I've had so far like I look at someone like a Casey Neistat and he's one of my favorite youtubers by far if you look at Casey's channel he obviously comes out with daily vlogs that was kind of what made him really popular and consistency is obviously a huge part in growing your channel that was something that he talked about was that as soon as he switched over to doing vlogs and was consistent with it every single day his subscriber count shot up and went crazy to where it is today but I just think about what he's doing on a daily basis, coming out with these higher production videos that are very, very high quality. It literally is many movies, and that's what he talks about is that he's making movies, you know, every single day, like these little movies. And I just can't imagine having to do that every single day, this amount of stress that it must bring. And then also to build an audience to a certain level when you are coming out with a certain type of content and you're working at a certain level to where you're maybe consistent on a daily basis, right, with putting content out. It's really hard to want to change that up because you feel like in order to maintain a certain level or even to grow to a larger level that you have to keep doing the same thing. So there's a pressure with that also. Thinking more about what has happened in the past five months with just my mindset and thoughts and struggles with what I've been doing so far, I also have realized that I don't have the skills necessary to have a big audience like I said before, originally I would have wanted a big audience and I even think my expectations for where I would be in two years are completely different. 
to now because before I was expecting to be making some money within two years and I thought I'd have a I don't know it's not like I thought I would be be this huge successful content creator in that little of time but I just didn't have I think an accurate understanding of the process of becoming good at photography or photo editing or podcasting or video editing and YouTube and all these different things. I think where the mindset now has changed for me is before, like I said, I thought I was going to be pretty successful after two years. And if I wasn't, I was just going to go back to the good old office life and probably have a regular job and be okay with that because at least I tried to pursue something that I truly wanted to do with my life because I think my biggest regret was going to be looking back at my life when I was an old man and saying, you know what? I wish I pursued so-and-so like content creation when I was younger and I had the chance. So that wouldn't be a regret. Now where my mindset is I'm definitely pursuing this for a longer amount of time. It seems success kind of comes after a 10 to 15 year mark for most people. And I've been thinking about this a lot lately, kind of the formula for success. And to me, it sounds really easy because if you're pursuing something for a long time, let's say 10 years, and you're constantly growing and you're learning from your mistakes, and you can truly say to yourself that you gave it everything and you put in 100%, you didn't half-ass it, you really, really tried, I can't see how you wouldn't be successful at whatever it is you were pursuing. If you hear that right now and you're like, Connor, that sounds stupid. Like it isn't that easy to just be successful. It's not like you just do it. Well, my rebuttal to that is how can you say that if you've never ever actually put in the time and put in all that effort to see if you could become successful? Usually the people that think it's not possible are the ones that weren't able to get to that, let's say, 10-year mark. Because if you look at most of the successful people in whatever industry you're interested in, usually it takes them 10 to 15 years to become successful at it. I think the common theme, going back to this idea that I talked about in the first episode where I said I wanted to create this podcast because I personally felt that when I look at people that I admire, it's very discouraging because I thought that I could never become that because I'm looking at the most successful version of them and I hadn't seen the journey of them getting to that point. And I also said that I felt like a lot of people feel this way, which is why I wanted to make the podcast. So it was basically a documentation of my journey so people could come back and see it if I ever become successful. Hopefully that happens. We'll see. Not saying it's going to happen, but fingers crossed. But yeah, I thought that the common theme, though, with all these successful people is they were able to continue to persevere and overcome the failures and hard times along the way until they finally reached their goal. That is the common thing among every single successful person. They might be different in other ways. Clearly, they are. They all had different paths to getting there. But the one constant in everyone's path is that they're able to continue on until they reach their goal. That seems to be the hardest part. I think about when I was younger or just anytime I wanted to pursue something, nothing big or anything like that, but whether it was a hobby or a, a goal, I think about all the times that I quit and the mindset that I had in those instances was that I just thought that I could never get good at it because it was so difficult. Where the mindset has changed for me is 
I understand that every single thing that I do that I'm not experienced in, I'm going to be bad at. And I think people forget that for whatever reason. It's like, I know this is something with me. I feel like I should just be good at something, even if I've never done it before, which is the stupidest thing ever. How could you be good at something if you've never done it? Obviously, people have talent. And that's what talent is, is like you kind of pick up something more quickly, right? Or you might be good right away. But to assume that you'd be good at every single thing right away, I don't understand why I ever felt that way. And I do think a lot of people feel that way. What I do now to kind of have a different perspective on it is I think about something that I was really good at and I put a lot of time into and then I basically compare that to whatever it is that I'm starting out in. So my example is baseball. I played college baseball. I spent, what was it? I spent 19 years of my life playing baseball and I got to a pretty high level. And so what I do is I think about what was my skill level at, how was I at baseball when I first started out when I was four years old? And obviously, it's pretty hard to remember what it was like at four years old. But you can imagine I was pretty bad. I had to learn how to play catch. I had to learn how to hit the ball. You put in the constant repetition and your hand-eye coordination gets better and you get more confident and you steadily improve over time. Obviously, people have differing levels to how fast they can get good at something. But I like to use that because it really keeps in perspective that whatever I'm starting out in, I'm not going to be good at it. And then it also gives me, it's also positive because it shows me that, hey, if you stick to something like you did with baseball for a long period of time, you can be good at that too. You can be good at anything. I truly believe that as long as you're willing to put in the time. There's that 10,000 hour rule. If anyone's ever heard of it, I think, I don't know if it's a Malcolm Gladwell idea, but he talks about it in one of his books. I don't know if he was just mentioning that from someone else, so forgive me if I'm wrong there, but the idea basically is you do something for 10,000 hours to become an expert or achieve mastery level with it, and I don't know if I necessarily agree with that, but the idea with that is do something for a long time and you'll get really good at it. And like I said before, everyone's going to have different levels to how long it's going to take them, which is why for me personally, another shift in perspective that I have that I didn't have before, and I think this is also important for other people, is understand that if you're beginning something at a certain time, it might take you longer to achieve whatever it is you set out to achieve. So for me personally, with content creation, I'm starting this at 25 years old. I have absolutely no background in photography. I have no background in editing, never done podcasting, always hated singing, acting, everything. I hated being the center of attention. I still hate being the center of attention. I hate, there's all of this stuff basically from growing up that basically makes it harder for me to pursue this because it's not like I was a, a, you know, amazing actor and I was in all the school plays and I was good with being the center of attention and all these different things growing up. I wasn't. And so for me to think that I'm going to be good at all of this stuff in two years is just unrealistic. It might take me 10 years or it might take me five years, but to automatically assume I'm going to be good at it is just not productive. Thinking all these things now, it's really given me the freedom to, I don't know, it's its given me just, it's like chilled me out in a way because before I felt this pressure that I needed to succeed and now the focus is more on the journey and kind of the daily grind, the daily hard work, putting in the consistency, putting in the hours, that's what the focus is. And committing to something for so long, I think is really powerful because if you're willing to do something or if you're willing to commit to something for that amount of time, you know you're on the right path. At least I think so. So clearly now my issue is going to be how, how am I going to pursue this for 10 years? Because clearly I'm going to have to make money somehow doing this. But I guess we will see. I'm going to have to figure 
figure that one out. Another thing I just wanted to talk about really fast, kind of exploring the idea of why people give up so easily. I think being a millennial and for all the other millennials out there and for the younger generations to come, there's this idea, which I think there is a lot of truth to it, but we are called the, the millennials are called the instant gratification generation or the I want it now generation because people basically say the, the older generations, you know, they say that we want everything now. We don't want to put in the work. We don't want to work hard. We don't have the patience, so on and so forth. I don't necessarily agree with that wholeheartedly, but I do think there is some truth to that. I think a great video to watch, and again, on YouTube, I'm giving you guys all these resources is great. But if you type in Simon Sinek, his last name is spelled S-I-N-E-K, type in Simon Sinek Impact Theory. He is a motivational speaker kind of and I think an organizational consultant within businesses but he's a very smart guy and in this interview he talks about why millennials are struggling so much with finding happiness and purpose it's really insightful because I don't think anything is it's not like anything's our fault to where we're just like this because we're like this it's because of the way our environment has shaped us and the way kind of society has changed. And it's hard to imagine not being in the way we are now with wanting things so quickly because everything in our lives is at our fingertips. Think about this. This is a crazy idea. We're basically at the point now where you as a person can never, ever, ever leave your house and you would survive. Imagine trying to live in like the 50s or the 60s and never leaving your house. It would be very, very difficult to do that unless you had someone to, you know, help you out, whether it was delivering groceries or doctor's appointments. Now, these days, if you need to get something, buy something, you can go on Amazon. You can get groceries delivered to you. If you want food, you can just have it delivered to you with Uber Eats or one of the other many food delivery apps out there. If you, what else? If you need a doctor, there's in-house doctors now that will come to your house. Concierge doctors, I think it's called. That's actually a thing now. There's, that's, there's plenty of services with that. So you don't actually need to leave your house. You can get IVs brought to your house. All of these different things. If you want a freaking date or to meet a girl, meet a guy, just go on Tinder or Bumble say, hey, Netflix and chill question mark. Maybe someone will say yes. They're probably not going to say yes. They're probably going to say no because no one likes an asshole, but might work out. And then they just come over to your house. You don't even need to go out anymore. You don't need to have skills anymore to date. You don't have to go through the awkwardness of asking someone out and then wondering, oh, does this person like me? You're on the date. I'm not really sure. Literally everything is already laid out for you for you to succeed before you ever meet the person because you swipe right, they swipe right. Oh, we like each other. We both think we're attractive. And then you know a lot about them because they put in their bio. You have the ability to select them knowing some things about them without having to wonder, oh, what are they like? Am I going to like them? It's crazy. Take all this into consideration. And then, and then on top of all of that, think of social media where you're constantly bombarded with these people living amazing lives, you completely have full visibility to what's possible out there, which we didn't have before. I'd imagine when you were in the 50s or 60s, I don't know why I keep using the 50s or 60s, but just any time before social media, it was, I'd imagine, a lot easier to be happy because as Tony Robbins says, expectations are the killer of happiness. If you want to be happy, don't have expectations, live a life of appreciation. 
expectations are at an all-time high because like I said before, you're seeing everything that's possible. Back in the day without social media, you really didn't know what was possible out there because it's not like you were interacting with the entire world. So it was I would imagine it was a little bit easier to be happy because you didn't see this person in the freaking Bahamas riding a freaking camel on the beach. I don't even think that's realistic, but we're just going to go with that. All right? Living this great life. Now you see it everywhere you go. If you're on social media, put all that together and you have this generation that wants everything now and that's impatient because it is difficult when everything's at your fingertips. So going off of this now with how things are on social media, everything also is catered to wanting to achieve the quickest results. Think of anything in the fitness industry, want to lose 60 pounds in two months, take this product. Think about all these so-called mentors. I'm doing it in quotation marks. Again, air quotes. Think of all these mentors on social media. Oh, I'm going to teach you how to make a million dollars a month or, oh, I'm going to teach you how to make passive income so you don't have to work. Everything's catered to the easiest path. And I don't understand why. I think everyone out there wants to learn from the guy that made it in a year, right? The guy that made his first million in a year or became a success in a year. Why doesn't anyone ever want to learn from the guy that just grinded and worked his ass off for 15 years and finally achieved his his dreams? Why is it that that the the one year guy is more appealing? Because what people don't understand is one year guy is only going to work for so many people. For most people that's not going to work. And so I think that's another mental trap because we're basically telling people that they can do something in unrealistic amounts of time or achieve unrealistic results. And that's even more discouraging because you're setting people up to fail. I guess, though, it's not sexy to say work hard for a long time and then you'll achieve your goals. The sexy thing is to say, oh, lose 50 pounds in a month and get ready for that summer body or freaking make a million dollars off of cryptocurrencies or whatever it is. It's just it's so interesting. And I wonder if we're ever going to get to a point where that kind of takes a 180 and it becomes the sexy thing becomes working hard and understanding that things are going to take a long time for you to finally achieve your goals or your dreams. Maybe I'll start a movement where, I don't know, that would be interesting starting a movement where you like the work hard and long movement or the or we call it like the grandpa movement because the mentality of our grandparents was a lot better and more suited for like the work hard for a long period of time and put in the hours and he'll be successful. Yeah, the we'll call it the grand, hashtag grandpa movement, hashtag back to grandpa. I don't, I don't even know. If anyone has any ideas for a name, that'd be great. So to end the episode, I just want to tell one story illustrating this idea of continuing to persevere and never give up because I think it's a great example and it recently happened so it's relevant to today's podcast. Last Saturday there was a UFC fight card for anyone that doesn't know what the UFC is it's the ultimate fighting championship it's the biggest promotion for mixed martial arts in the world so there was a fight card and there was a heavyweight championship fight between this fighter, Stipe Miocic, who was the heavyweight champion, and then Daniel Cormier, who was the light heavyweight champion. Long story short, spoiler alerts, you should probably know the results by now, but spoiler alerts for anyone that is, you know, waiting, DVR'd and took, is just waiting to watch it, whatever. Daniel Cormier ended up winning, knocked out Stipe in the first round, 
and became the heavyweight champion. He is now a two-division belt holder. He has the light heavyweight championship belt and the heavyweight championship belt. He is the second person in the history of the UFC to hold two belts at the same time behind Conor McGregor. And he is now in the conversation for being one of the best fighters, arguably, in the history of the UFC. What people don't know, or what you wouldn't know about Daniel if you don't follow him, is that he has had quite the journey getting to this point. I'm going to take it all the way back to when he was in college. He was a college wrestler, very, very good, and he made it to the NCAA finals in wrestling where he fought this guy, Kale Sanderson, who's widely considered to be the, one of the greatest college wrestlers slash wrestlers of all time by a lot of people. Daniel Loss came in second place. Fast forward to the Olympics after he graduates college. He makes the Olympic team two times. I don't know if he made it to the semifinals both times, but I know one of the times he made it to the semifinals where he lost. So he came in fourth place, didn't get a medal, was one away from getting at least a bronze medal. So fast forward again, he's 30 years old and decides to start fighting in mixed martial arts. He starts out at heavyweight and goes undefeated. He never, though, gets the chance to fight for the belt, so he never gets to realize that dream of climbing the mountain, and that's going to be the theme throughout this story is climbing the mountain, getting to the top, finally obtaining the highest achievement of whatever it is you're doing. He's had this great career so far in MMA as a heavyweight and decides to start fighting at light heavyweight, where he also is dominating. He's undefeated. So there's this other fighter, John Jones, at light heavyweight, who is also undefeated and widely considered to be the greatest fighter of all time. Long story short, a rivalry starts to form because eventually John and DC are going to have to fight each other because they're in the same weight class and they're both undefeated. All this hype starts to build around that and they finally get booked to fight. A huge rivalry develops because they just don't like each other so there's all this hype going into this fight daniel ends up losing a decision so once again he's almost climbed that mountain to where he can be called the champion but he loses to john i don't know if john already had the belt or if they were both fighting for the belt but yeah john got the belt after that with john his problem is he's had a lot of personal issues throughout his life he just can't seem to get his life together and after that fight he has something happen to where he gets suspended from the UFC so that belt gets vacated and Daniel ends up winning the belt. So you think Daniel's finally a champion. He's achieved the highest honor of being a UFC fighter. He's finally reached the top of the mountain, but no one acknowledges that he's the true champion of the light heavyweight division because the only reason he has the belt is because John isn't capable of fighting because he's suspended. So they call him the paper champion, which is, I don't know, a lot of people would think differently than that. But there is something to be said that the best fighter is still John. And the only reason Daniel is able to have the belt is because John's not in the division. As you can probably imagine, that must be something really hard to deal with for Daniel because he isn't being acknowledged for his achievement. So he wants to fight John again so he can obviously silence the haters. And then if he does end up winning, they're probably going to fight again, which is what he wants. That's good for business. Time passes and they're supposed to fight and it keeps falling through because John keeps messing up his life and screwing up. And then eventually after 
two years finally, I think I think it was two years or so, they finally get to fight again for a second time. And Daniel's finally, he's faced this, he's been on this roller coaster ups and downs thinking he's going to fight John and it falling through and all these different things. He's thinking he's going to finally get to prove himself right. But we finally get to this fight. He has a great camp. He says he's prepared. He's happy. He's going to, he really thinks he's going to beat John. So they fight for the second time and John ends up knocking him out in the second round definitively he absolutely destroys him it was not a pretty thing to watch it was my heart like sank so much watching it as you can imagine that must have been a very hard pill to swallow because in the first fight you went to a decision with him right like anyone could have won that and then in the second fight though it's definitive he knocks you out like there's no question that he's basically better than you and so Daniel has to deal with this losing for the second time once again you could say he hasn't climbed that mountain and gotten to the top week passes and we find out after that fight that John tested positive for performance enhancing drugs so he ends up getting suspended again and the belt gets vacated and goes back to Daniel even though Daniel lost but because he was the champion before that he gets the belt back I can't even imagine having to deal with the fact that you lost and then the guy testing positive for performance enhancing drugs and then you get the belt back even though you didn't win so just think of that now with people giving him more criticism because the only reason he has the belt is because John just can't figure out his life. Daniel defends the belt, light heavyweight championship belt, two more times. I think at this point he's defended it against other fighters like three or four times. So he has defended the belt. You know, he's been the champion. He has defended the belt, even though John hasn't been able to fight. So technically, he should get the acknowledgement of being a champion. Fast forward to last Saturday, this opportunity came up to where there was going to be a super fight between Stipe and Daniel, and there was a lot of hype behind it, and it was good, and blah, 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 and so Daniel won. What he talked about in the post-fight interview was that he finally he finally had an achievement that was separate from John Jones. No one could take away that he- heavyweight championship belt from him because he beat the champion, and there is no you know outside drama or anything. There is no questions that Daniel truly deserved that belt. Think about Stipe, who is an awesome fighter. He, before last Saturday, I don't know if he's still going to be considered this, but before that fight with Daniel, he was considered to be the greatest heavyweight of all time because he had the record for defending the belt three times. No one else had achieved that, and he was just a really, really good fighter. So now Daniel has this belt, this heavyweight belt and this light heavyweight belt, right? And he talked about how maybe all these challenges and struggles along the way finally prepared him for this moment of where he became a to weight champion because just imagine if he had given up at any one of those points that I talked about before imagine after the college wrestling he was so bummed out by not coming in first or and he decided to stop wrestling or after the olympics he just decided to stop there or if after all this drama with john jones like at each point what if he just decided to retire if he had decided to quit at any one of those points he never would have gotten to this point of being a heavyweight and light heavyweight champion. And now he is in the conversation for being one of the greatest fighters of all time. And people are finally giving him his due, I think, because partly because of him being the heavyweight champion. But what's crazy about Daniel also is it's not like he is a super athlete or very tall or anything. He has no physical advantages. He's like a 
I think he's 5'11". He's this dad. He's this kind of pudgy looking heavy guy. He looks very much like a dad. He's not muscular or anything like that. He's short for the division he's in and undefeated at heavyweight. And his his only kind of black mark on his career is that he's lost to John Jones. But now people are saying because John Jones is tested positive for performance enhancing drugs twice now that you can't even put him in the conversation for being the greatest fighter of all time so now dc is in that conversation really really think about that because he didn't quit at any point in his life and he can continue to pursue his goals and whatever dreams he had he became a person in the conversation for being the greatest of all time in his sport that's insane to me or imagine if he had quit and then could see in a crystal ball what would have happened if he never did quit. Imagine just the difference. Where would his life be if he ended up quitting? That to me is just a testament to never giving up. And it's not never giving up where you're not putting in the effort and you're half-assing it and you're not learning, but it's never giving up because you know that you're going to continue to learn and you're going to continue to work hard until you finally reach whatever goal it is you have. It's crazy to me, man. Oh my God. I think that's going to be the end of this episode. Nice. Finally got it, got through it all. Wow. That's what this is about though, man. This podcast is about not doing everything perfectly. Finally got through it. Next week's episode, I promise we'll get out on Monday. I'm still waiting actually on the podcast to get approved by iTunes at this point. So that's still a bummer because I haven't actually blasted it out yet that I have a podcast. So at this time, no one really knows about it. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the podcast. That would be awesome. And if you have any questions or want to follow me on my Instagram, my Instagram account is conjhancock and my email is conjhancock at gmail.com. Thank you guys so much for listening. Have a great rest of your week or weekend if you listen to this then. I will see you guys next week. Peace.